Good morning. Today is Monday, October 3rd, 2022. Warren Bennis is a well-known management consultant, and he famously said that the factory of the future will have only two employees, a man and a dog. The man will be there to feed the dog. The dog will be there to keep the man from touching the equipment. Society is advancing faster than we can imagine. A lot of the advances are very good, but not all of them. And there is one advance in particular that is already occurring that I think is very bad, and we need to push back against it. And that is, and I want to be clear that I am including myself in this problem, and I need to do some a lot of improving in this area. But the problem is that with the ubiquity of all of our devices and phones and tablets, we are in a world of seamless connectivity with constant access to unlimited stimuli, we are losing the experience of sitting still. We are losing the experience of silence. Now, of course, there is bad silence that we should avoid. Silence when we are too distracted to respond to our child or grandchild who wants our attention. You may have seen this uh, cartoon. There's a husband and wife sitting together at the dinner table, and the husband is looking at his phone, and his wife says, Do you mind if I strap your phone to my forehead so I can pretend that you're looking at me when I talk? Another harmful silence is the silence of avoiding constructive criticism to another who would appreciate hearing it, but we remain silent. Silence in the face of injustice is always wrong. The silence of bearing a grudge and cutting off a relationship There's a new form of silence. I'm starting to get worried about this form. The silence between a husband and wife as they are each plugged into their separate earphones watching a different movie on Netflix. But there are many forms and situations of silence, or at least quiet, that are so important and we are in danger of losing them. So let's start with a lesson that is essential to Yom Kippur. When we reference the critical narrative in our history from the Book of Kings, which we've discussed before, concerning Elio Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, who lived about 2,700 years ago. Elio was a great and complex man known for his grandiose gestures 
an aggressive, shrill, prophetic voice. He was also the only Jewish prophet to be fired by God. He lived in the northern part of Israel at a time when some Jews were tempted by idolatry, the ultimate sin against God. So Elio orchestrated a showdown between himself, representing God, and the priests of the idol Baal on Mount Carmel near Haifa. And everyone gathered around. He urged the priests, the idolatrous priests, to offer a sacrifice to their idol to see if it would be accepted. And they prepared their sacrifice. They uttered their prayers, but nothing happened. It was not consumed by fire as they had prayed would happen. And then, then Elio prepared his sacrifice to God in front of everyone. And he loudly prayed to God. He gave God an ultimatum to miraculously cause a fire from heaven to descend and consume his offering so that everyone would see with their own eyes that the God of Israel is the one and only true God. And it happened. And everyone responded with enthusiasm and conviction because they had seen this miracle in front of their eyes. And they said, Hashem hu Elohim. Our one God is Lord. And we reenact that as the crescendo of Yom Kippur at the very end of Ne'ilah when we say, with all the accumulated emotion and power of this day, we say it seven times, Hashem hu Elohim, Hashem hu Elohim. It expresses our certainty, our closeness to God, that is the goal of Yom Kippur. But the problem for Eliyahu, and it is a challenge for us every year, is that that dramatic high point did not last. The next day, the king announces he wants to kill Eliyahu, and the people start sliding back to idolatry. Eliyahu is crushed. He performed one of the greatest miracles of all times, one of the most spectacular triumphs in Jewish history, and it doesn't last, and he's depressed, and he's angry, and he is cynical, and he runs away south to the desert. And alone in the desert, in the southern part of Israel, God appears to him and says, Malacha po Eliyahu, what are you doing here, Eliyahu? And Eliyahu answers God, I was an aggressive zealot for your sake, but the people let me down. So God says to Eliyahu, stand on this mountain and I will pass before you. I want to teach you something something crucial about me, God, and something crucial about life, something that you, Elio, clearly do not yet understand. And the prophet tells us, in a great, powerful wind passed, smashing mountains and breaking rocks, 
Lo Baruch Hashem, God was not in the wind. After the wind came a powerful earthquake, cracking the earth. Lo Barash Hashem, God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a devastating fire, burning everything in its path. Lo Baesh Hashem, God was not in the fire. And after the fire came, Kol Demama Daka, the voice of God. Kol Demama Daka is often translated as the small, still voice of God. But a more accurate translation, though it's harder to conceive of, it is the small, silent voice of God. The voice that can just be heard but doesn't disturb the quiet. That's where God is to be found. And that is how God approaches us on Yom Kippur as we say in the prayer, Nisana Tokef. Bashofar Gadol Yitaka. The heavenly judgment is announced with a loud, dramatic blast of the great shofar. But that's not where God is. But God is heard in the peaceful, silent voice that does not disturb the quiet. Because what is communicated in quiet is much more powerful than what is communicated with noise and fireworks. Noise and fireworks have the ability to startle Hurricanes, earthquakes, destructive fires have the potential to uproot, to shock, to elicit fear and anger. But eventually they pass. Silence, quiet, has the power to change lives for good. Silence, quiet, has a lasting effect much deeper than loud noise because it brings us closer, not farther away. And just as we pray on Yom Kippur for that quiet gentleness from God, we need the same from each other and for ourselves, because it gives us a chance to formulate, to reflect, to appreciate, which we cannot do if we are distracted by noise. And that is what we are in danger of losing today. Always connected, always plugged in, always talking, rarely listening. Rarely, really listening. And it's getting worse. A few years ago, Gil Troy wrote... All we seem to hear is shouting. Our voices seem to be set perpetually to shrill. The babble of speaking and tweeting and posting and Instagramming, emphasizing the seat-of-the-pants reaction, the back-of-the-hand dismissal, the instant thumbs-up or thumbs-down of judgment. We need desperately to find quiet to think our thoughts, to consider, truly consider another's opinion and our own opinion, 
too often were like the preacher who wrote in the margin of his prepared sermon, argument weak here, yell like hell. Let me, let me describe to you two types of silence. A few years ago, one of my childhood heroes passed away, Arnold Palmer. When I was a kid, I used to watch Arnold Palmer play golf whenever I could. I even once saw him play golf in person. He was so talented. He was so humble. His fans loved him with an inordinate fervor. They used to refer to the unusually large number of fans in the gallery who would follow him around the golf course as Arnie's Army. And they would yell out endearments and encouragement as he walked to his ball. But you know, of course, during a shot, when you're playing golf, golf etiquette calls for absolute silence. Palmer once said about his unusually large and passionate fans, he said, I feel the strength of the gallery, especially on a critical shot. Silence is louder than any noise on a golf course. The deathly silence that I sometimes feel and hear when I am out there, that will tell you how powerful the galleries really are. They have an appreciation of what you are going through, of what's happening, and they understand. You don't have to love golf to appreciate the depth of this message when someone is going through an emotional extreme and confides in you, for example. Often there are no words, no advice to give. That's when you have to speak with silence, with your presence, with your eyes, not your lips, to say you understand, to say you accept to say you love without condition or reservation. That silence is so much more powerful than any words, no matter how loud. <clears throat> and then there's another kind of silence. You may remember a few years ago there was a deadly earthquake in Mexico. And this type of scene unfortunately, tragically repeats itself around the world. And I remember reading in the New York Times immediately after that deadly earthquake, people began streaming into the streets, approaching the wreckage to see if anyone was alive, to start to remove debris. And I'm sure you saw it on the news. There is this cacophony and confusion, the noise and smoke, the urgency and the fear of machinery and people running around trying to save whoever they could save. And then punctuated, all of that noise, all of that sound punctuated from, <coughs> 
from time to time with an upraised fist, signaling immediate quiet. There may be someone alive underneath. We need complete quiet to verify, to possibly save a life. And the absolute stillness of those moments, the utter silence, much deeper than a golf course, because human lives are at stake at that moment. Children's lives are at stake at that moment. But the emotions and prayers in those silent moments were louder than any words, any machine, any force of nature. That's the silence that can save life, the silence in a crisis when there are no words, only an embrace, only the eyes that say, I am here, I will not leave you. I say this to myself once in a while. I've got to put down my phone. I've got to hold on to silence. I have to value quiet to appreciate, to support, to save. It goes against the tide of our society, but I promise, Yom Kippur promises, it's worth it. The great Hasidic master, the Kotzka Rebbe, would say, the less spoken, the better. A lock ought to hang over one's mouth. He who reveals what he knows has little to say. When a man has a reason to scream and cannot, though he wants to, he has achieved the greatest scream. Silence is the greatest cry in the world. Shanatova. May Yom Kippur, with its dual reminders of the lessons God taught Eliyahu, be for us a day where we come to recognize and appreciate the sound of silence. My friends, I want to wish you a great day, and I look forward to seeing you soon in person.